Welcome to another episode of Views from the Box. Nana, how are you doing today? Yeah, very yesterday. Left pissed off. Yeah, of course you were pissed off. Arsenal were crap. Chelsea went toe-to-toe with you. Tell me more about that game. Because before before the game, like all season, we've been chatting crap about Chelsea because Chelsea haven't been good this season bar the Liverpool game and wins against crap teams. But in my opinion, yesterday, they were very good. How do you feel about drawing with Chelsea? Uh, I'm saying, if you're a Chelsea fan and people are saying that good performance from Chelsea, you should be a, take as an insult from because that private London year and you're part of that shit. Fair enough. I don't, I don't mind you're falling. But anyway, I'm going to talk on Arsenal fam. First things first, the midfield was all wrong. If Party was fit and I just decided not to sign him, then that's gross negligence fam. But because he didn't touch pitch, I'm, I'm assuming he's had a slight knock or something which is another black mark on this guy's record from always injured for important moments. But it is what it is. Obviously, we didn't start off, start off well. Every time we got the ball, yeah, we're passing straight back to Chelsea fam. And if we don't for a minute one year, we set the tone and it's going to be really hard to get control of the game, especially when you're away from home fam. Like, that was just fucking annoying, but like Zinchenko over dribbling the first couple of minutes, Rice not being himself. Anytime you manage to get the ball, on, into Odegaard in the half turn, yeah. This guy will either play the pass too early, yeah, or go for the most complex pass. Like, like we, we, we were not playing by his in the first half. And, for, and lastly, our dual winning was over the place. There was a moment where Gusto had a had opportunity to con- get get the ball under control two three times, bro. When he controlled it, bro, no one was near him. Like, yes, yes, the first half was fucking atrocious. The first seventy minutes was fucking atrocious. Now, honestly, I feel like. The pattern of that game from start to the centre of the minute year was a test for, in my honest opinion. People may say, oh, the players you're taking guilty, but I don't like how we set up. Like a half-time what, year. Wait, what was it about the way you set up you didn't like? Because yes, you say, okay, party, party didn't touch pitch, so it was gross negligence. But in terms of like the profiles of your players, that's probably the best midfield that you could have put out. That was the best back four you could have put out. And that was the best front three you could have put out. So it was arguably your best team. Bar party instead of Jorginho. So what was that about the way Arteta set the team up? Because on paper, that that's your best team, isn't it not? I, I feel like we didn't get Martinelli and Saka in behind quick enough. Like the pass, obviously, when Martinelli be, you know, just a second, can just get in behind. We weren't playing the right pass. Why don't go back, recycle it instead of just go long? Because Chelsea had congested the middle, so out wide was free. Play the right ball in behind, yeah, and you got Martinelli and Saka in one-on-one on their fullbacks. And we didn't do that close to enough times in the game, honestly, even the first time. So you think Arsenal should have gone more direct? Yeah. Wouldn't you say that's an issue with the players, not the manager? Because you went direct sometimes. I'm not saying you did it all the time. Don't you think the players can clock, look, the middle is locked off? Wouldn't you say that's good from Chelsea? Because in terms of you guys building up, Chelsea locked off the middle. So your players should have noticed that and just gone long. Yeah, true. Okay, I can do that. Fifty-fifty, but to be honest, George, the game just wasn't right for Jorginho, in my honest opinion, because we only what Chelsea were going to try and do: put Gallagher, Caicedo, to do all the hard work for Enzo, and just try and get in our faces. And that was not the right game for Jorginho, and that affected our build-up because our, our centre backs were hesitant to play the ball into Jorginho for him to progress play because they don't trust him on the half turn because they they know that if he gets closed down, if he's losing the ball, as we saw against some Spurs at home. So that affected how we, we built up and was just turgid, man. Fucking turgid. First of all, disgrace. And as for the penalty, yeah, unlucky in it. That the rules here, 
it's it's called the rules. I know, like the rules are stupid. Like, the but I the narrative should be yeah, let the referees use common sense. What happened to ball to hand fact? I remember back in the day, yeah, there was a lot of ball to hand, and looking back, you could understand. Sometimes the defenders can't do anything. It's not like when um Michael Keane yeah lift up his arm yeah lift up his shoulder yeah lift up his arm like. Saliba and Mujic all jumped in the same style and the boy hit his hand firm. Like, for that to even go to VAR, yeah, it was fucking stupid. Lack of common sense. But no, I wouldn't say it's the rules, isn't it? I'll say the rules is... Yeah, the rules are stupid. Rule I are think stupid. based on the rules, it should have gone to VAR. But the rules are just silly. It's silly. It's not fucking silly. They, they need to modify it, man. Because now, yeah, it's what... You want, want man to jump like that like, like fucking, like, like fucking salmon firm. Yeah, and, by the and, and you get no elevation. But That's before, stupid, man. Before you get on to the last 20 minutes of the game, what do you think about Arsenal moving forward? Because this is the first time this season you guys have performed like this. This performance is how you performed at home in the majority of your games or in some of your games. Now it's crossing over to your away games. Doesn't that worry you for the title challenge? No, I also the games I won this season, you deserve to win. Not, not going to lie. <laughs> it's, all, it's all about deserving to win games. It's about performances, sloppiness, loose passes, duels. You deserve to be Manchester United, but that first half, go back to the podcast and look how we spoke about that first half. When you beat Nottingham Forest, the last 10 minutes, you always talk about how you want Arsenal to be professional, how, yes, you're happy with the results, but the performances, you need your team to be professional. The first 70 minutes weren't professional. And that's happening in games that you've won as well. At home especially. I'm not talking about your away games. I'm talking about at home. Doesn't that worry you that that sloppiness is now spilling over to away games? That's not just a home thing. Um, nah. The reason why this game is really pissing me off is because we give the points to Spurs and Fulham at home. And I would have written off yesterday as a shit happens, we, we go again. But because we dropped them points in those two games, it now makes this result more important than it is. Because the grand scheme of things, put all, all banter aside, the rule is win at home against your top six rivals, then you get a result away from home. So in that regard, fair enough. But because what we did in the Fulham and Spurs game, this this result becomes way more important than it should than it should have been. So it's just about I don't know, man. Like these guys are just fucking looking. But on the tactical side, these are I'm not worried here because there's solutions of how we can fix this. We actually have different combinations we can play, different ways we want to set the attack up, different ways we want to set the midfield up in order to get our attacking fluency forward. We get it going because Cool, there been some games that are professional, but overall, we're not conceding as much chances and we're much more secure at the back. And no one's peppered our goal. That's what I'm, I'm I always say. No one's clotting shots that go away, but our keepers having to make two, three, four, five saves. That's the main thing. No, Be- that, that's I'm what's happening here. Yeah. I'm happy you brought up your keeper. Chat to me about Raya because he's he's starting to take the piss now because I'm not saying it's as bad as Onana, nowhere close. But Nana started to take the piss at the start and it started to become concerning. And now it's a big of a concern. We spoke about Raya against Man City. Two silly mistakes in this game. Thoughts. What do you think about the whole goalkeeping situation? Because some people are saying bring Ramsdale back. Some people are saying he's not that great. What do you think should happen? Well, I thought I was picked his man. Like we said, he picks Raya because Raya can play how he wants to play with a comes to compromise. Ramsdale even said it himself. He struggles when teams press him and he decides to go long when he doesn't need to and decides to play short rather than going long. Then basically, Ramsdale's was on a bench here because he can't follow Arteta's instructions. Now, where Raya is messing up his year, he seems like he's struggling with this jump from Brentford to Arsenal or as on you, fam. Like, bro, you're 28. I'm sorry, you're 28. You ain't, you ain't 24, you ain't 23. 
You're meant to come in here and be the example to Ramsdale. And yet you're here fumbling under the lights. Fix up. Because right now, you're, you're bringing way more attention to yourself and your performances than Ramsdale being on the bench. Because if Raya was not making dumb mistakes, would no, we be Yeah, nobody would be speaking about So that. is it is, is Raya's control for him? Arteta's giving me the... the uh, Arteta's told you what he wants and he's back to you in the press. So now it's down to you, yeah, to stop being a pussy and just embrace this challenge. You play for a big club now. All eyes on you. Like, teams are going to try and press you, try and nick the ball off you because the, the, the only way to get joy against the likes of Man City or Arsenal, sometimes you take, take a risk and press them high and you might get, get some luck for your way. But Ryan, yeah, he needs to buckle down, bro. Like, it's mental fun. Like, he needs to fix up. You play for Arsenal now. You don't play for Brentford. So everything's going to be under scrutiny. Ask Edison, ask Allison, Ramsdorf from last season, fucking um, even United, the hair under the lights. You play for a big club now. So if you make a mistake and it it's glaring, it, all eyes on you. It's got to be spoken about. And I feel like you need to fix up quickly because if you guys are going to be going for a title, you need your keeper to be secure. Because if your keeper is not secure, your whole team becomes ner nervous. The best example, you remember against Southampton, Ramsdale makes that mistake in the first couple of minutes and all of a sudden... you're First couple of minutes? <laughs> Five was the, the first 50 seconds. Bro, and, and, you, and you saw how your team performed in the next 20 minutes or just nerves upon nerves upon... Yeah, yeah. With Ramsdale, he needs to calm down because these mistakes, they're going to be costly. It's very good that against City, Alvarez didn't score. It's very good Cole Palmer didn't make it 3-0 because that could have turned four points into... No points very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Ramzo needs to fix up. And another player, right? Me, right, bro. Raya, rather. Another, his kid being born. <laughs> another player that needs to fix up Zinchenko because when Zinchenko is good, and as the half went on, his passing did become better. But when he's not on song, he's really poor. And him being hooked up at half time is a big indictment. And he's meant to be one of your leaders. One uh, of your remember, remember I said last season, yeah, moving forward, like, Zinchenko and Jesus need to be a um, rotation option moving forward if we're to come serious. And that they're proving that they can't handle being main guys. Bro, it's Again. good that you mentioned Jesus, but there's some players I wanted to speak about. And Jesus, you said they need to be rotation players moving forward. I think Jesus' time on the bench should come sooner than Zinchenko's. Because in terms of goal scoring. He didn't offer you that last season. But what he was offering was link-up play and his link-up play has deteriorated. But also, um, his doing has deteriorated as well. Cause I don't know if we're underestimating how bad his knee injury was because it seems that since that knee injury, yeah, he hasn't been back to his levels whereby he was dynamic, collecting the ball, dribbling, causing chaos, opening up space for the likes of Saka Martini. I'm not seeing it this season and maybe he needs to be eased back in with because at the end of the day, he had to go for a second surgery to clean up around the, the damage. So maybe Arsenal may have put him back in a bit too early because even the long balls into him, he's not winning. Like, I get eaten up by a 39 Thiago Silva, bro. Now, Ray Thiago Silva. Thiago Silva was more... He was, he was the best centre-back on the pitch. He was I don't know, but he's 39, bro. Like, sometimes youthful. Like, he, like youthful exuberance, but you can't allow an old man here to, to bag you up like that, fam. Like, no, bro, it's, not, it's, just, just, it's not just any old man. It's one of the best centre-backs we've seen of the last... I time. know, but... He's an old man. World-class performance from him. Or even at the very least, yeah, win your fair show of Dawson. This okay, now, now that I can agree with. Yeah. Like, and it, and it, should be bothering so Thiago Silva was comfy for the whole game. I like him. Like, how you not stress Thiago Silva? Like, I, like Havertz has been getting pelters here. 
The man came on here and created space for Saka for 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 for, for Chosa's goal for knocked down. Saka gets a couple yards, whips it in. Chosa pokes it in at the far post. Like Jesus, that's what we went basically doing at, at the bare minimum. But how's how's Havertz here? Who's been getting pills here, coming on here and doing the basics better? And you're meant to be the better player. Now, well, Arsenal got to admit here, he seems to have been crap this season up top. His, his best game came from right wing. When yeah, he's he was, looking better on the wing than he has up top. And I'm not going to lie, there were periods where you had Trossard on the bench and you were playing Jesus on the wing and Nketiah up top. For me, that's a big indictment on on Jesus because Trossard is a better left winger than Jesus and Jesus is better to be, meant to be a better striker than Nketiah. So the fact that Arteta went for that front three or that combination, Jesus needs to fix up. And I think that's something... Arsenal need to look at very quickly. Yeah, because Arsenal are saying, saying, oh, our creativity is taking a downhill here. No shit, because oh, Martinez has been in and out, had a hamstring injury, he's just trying to get back into the groove of things. Jesus came up with an injury, he has not been 100%, he's not doing what he was doing last season. So, of course, our attacking numbers here are going to take a hit. But luckily, we're averaging two goals a game, which is calm. We just need to get that fluidity back. And Arsenal might not like this, but I went for a few games here. Havertz up top, Saka on the right, Martinez on the left. Because teams are now pressing man for man now. You need that out ball over the top, as Pep showed us last season. If teams are going to go, go onto you man to man, you need that long ball over the top and win your knockdowns and you play from there, from the space exploited. And Havertz has been doing that. Yesterday, he was, it wasn't amazing, but Basics, that's what we need, fam. In football, if you do the basics well, that's what we need, that's what we need fam. Because at the end of the day, yeah, the main thing is we need to be getting Martinelli and Saka in these shooting positions, fam. Like, like, we need to get them in more dangerous positions, fam, because those are our main shooters. Those are our best finishers. Them two need to be, the whole thing needs to be geared towards them getting it in on goal and taking as much shots as possible. Because based on the stats here, Martinelli had 15 goals here from a list amount of shots last season. Saka, Better last season in terms of shot taking, but these numbers should be higher, fam. They are like everything has to front and free them, man. Those the whole epicenter yeah, of our attack needs yeah, to be sacked as yeah. close to goal as possible. Because I'm sorry, yeah, those are our most trusted finishes. Alongside Trossard as well, like people may say Trossard needs to start here, but Trossard has been better off the bench this season when the game is stretched. You can start him as a false nine from the start, but if he's going to play on the wing, he has to be coming off for the last 20 minutes when there's more space, there's more gaps to exploit as he did yesterday. Yeah. Before we move on to Chelsea, should we be getting concerned about Martin Odegaard? Because yesterday he was poor. He was poor against Spurs. And I felt like normally when he's poor, he's poor on the ball. And that's fine. You can have those games. Gallagher was exploiting the space in behind him a lot of times. And it felt like he could not deal with the physicality. If Chelsea went machine for machine with you, I'll say for the first 60 minutes, and a lot of the attacks came down the right-hand side behind him. Do you think that's a concern? No, I don't be concerned. No. Because this is what second this is second objectively bad game of the season. Spurs was bad. Of of this season, yeah. The second and, and Chelsea was bad. So just two occasions. If it's, if if it was a repeated pattern in other games, fair enough. Whereby every week he's getting kicked out of the game or getting moved moved to out of the game. Fair enough, but every big the, game or every game where you play against a physical midfield, yeah. I expect him to be good in the majority of the game. Yeah, so honestly, yesterday the whole midfield was bad. Let's just be honest, the whole midfield was bad up until he got that life in from Robert Sanchez. Not gonna lie, so I'm not gonna single him out because the whole midfield was poor yesterday. I'm not gonna lie, 
No, that's fair. I just feel like the defensive aspect of his game should improve. And in terms of on the ball, because there were times where he did get it in the hole, he needs to make sure he doesn't have games like that when it comes to business at the end of the season. He just needs to make sure that doesn't happen because he's one of your biggest, biggest players alongside Martinelli and Saka. But like you said, your whole midfield was bad. Declan Rice, probably his worst game in the yeah. last year, but he still, he still got a goal. So he still got something on his side. One thing I'm saying about Rice is, yeah, one thing I will say, even though he, even though he has a bad game, he never stops going for him. He will keep on doing what he needs to do, yeah. And pulls up, it comes up. And he got his reward and... I'll give it to him. Second half was much better, much more improved. Like one thing I will say was much more improved in the second half. And when we finally moved him to six, we actually got a foothold into the game. When Jorginho yeah, was was being a non-entity on and off the ball, on his opinion. That's why I get pissed off when Arsenal fans try to say, oh, Rice can't play six for us, but he can't shoot balls in between the lines. So why is it yesterday when Jorginho came off here and Rice got moved to six, we finally had a foothold in the game? Now, Arsenal fans used to stop this, this fantasy whereby Rice can play that party. So it's stuck with this, oh, we need Rice to be that party. Rice is doing just fine. One thing I will say is, though, can, one thing you can ask for Rice is to play more balls in between the lines here when it's getting pressed. That is a fair criticism. But to expect him to collect the ball in a half turn, that's not his game. He started out as a centre-back, Partey started out as a 10. And what other DM plays in a half turn like that? Sergio Busquets. He's a fucking goal. So Arsenal fans, relax. Roger as well. Yeah, Roger as well, because he's coming Spanish from like... Like Rice said, said that as a centre back firm, so that's not going to be a natural part of his game. What he can ask Rice to do is when he's getting pressed, to have the bravery to drive into the space or knock the ball past past the defender into the space whereby our, our attacking people can pick it up and drive forward. That's the criticism that you can give Rice. But all this or half turn, do all the fancy shit party does here, you're you're smoking the highest grade fam. That's not his game, bro. So like also. All this Omni party party that needs to start rising party every game. For the love of God, yeah. Even when we've tried to manage this guy's minutes, he's still getting injured, fam. But yeah, you want him to start every week. Like Arsenal fans, think. Think. Nah, I, I can't lie. Party needs to be phased out because this is getting too concerning now. He cannot be relied upon. And a player who cannot be relied upon, he cannot be one of your important players. So it's either you get somebody that's in his profile or that he's a unique profile fam. Like remember I said that every DM plays DM differently. Casemiro played DM when, when I say in in his profile, something that's decent defend, defensively, but very good on the ball. Doesn't have to be exactly like Thomas Partey, but like you're saying, taking the ball in the half turn or playing the balls in between the lines, getting a player that can excel at that, that's better than Jorginho. Because at the moment, this whole Rice, Odegaard, Jorginho, or Rice, Odegaard, um, Kai Havertz, is going to continue. Yeah, because Partey can't stay fit. But that's why in January, I, I really want to look, look into what's getting... Uh, Getting a central midfield, everyone's talking about a strike here, but I'm sorry, the main shooters in our team are Odegaard, Martinelli, Trostad, and and Saka. Like, we can, if we want to target him, you, we can just lump up, have a top for him, and let it be a, 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 a post for a guy to play off him. Like, I'm not gonna lie, bro, like all this Tony stuff might need to be parked out just a bit. Get me a central midfield in Jan, and maybe an extra defender, but I, I, I want a central midfielder. I need a central midfielder because, as we know, party can play every week, we need that controller for him. Or, if all fails, they just put Zinchenko next to Rice. Zinchenko is, is better than Jorginho defensively anyway. Wins yeah, more that's, than Jorginho. that's another solution. So a solution like that, yeah, that can help. Before... Yeah, yeah so there's solutions, man. Like, we have, on that like last season, yeah, we have an internal solutions to come up with something new and something fresh. 
That's why I'm not worried like that. That's why you had the transfer window that you did. But before we move on to Chelsea, what do you think Arsenal now need to do between now and the Liverpool game? First is first, let's take our business in the coming week. Sevilla and Sheffield United. Then we've completed the first 10 games of the season. And then we can look forward to the nine remaining games here to end the first half of the season. And then we'll see where we are. Those nine games after Sheffield United will determine either we are going to be consolidated in second or, or in a title race. That's what I'm going to say. Well, let's see. The Sevilla game is going to be tough because that's a way. And Sheffield United, I expect you guys to take care of business. I think that passage. Like, anyhow, we leave that game with 3 1 or 2 1. Like, fuck these men, bro. Like, it's a stat passage time, bro. Like, this is where you go and stat pad big chances and just fill up your boots. If we leave that game here, making it look like some close game, this is arguably the worst team in the bloody league, fam. If these men leave that game with anything less than 4 0. If anything less than 4 0, you're a fucking disgrace, bruv. Like, people may think I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating here, but this is at home, bruv. This is Sheffield United away in the fucking running, fam. This is the game week 10 at the Emirates. We better leave that game with at least four goals and a clean sheet. Period, fam. Period. Clean sheet has to be imperative. And for me, one year, we've drawn two games at home this season. Unless the team is them Liverpool, I'm not accepting any draws at home again this season, bruv. We must aim to win every bloody game we have this season at home. Unless you're Liverpool in the league, yeah. Unless you're Liverpool, yeah. I'm not accepting any draw at home unless it's Liverpool, because we played Spurs at home already. We played, played City. We played United. United, and we won two of that. So unless it's Liverpool, I don't want to be dropping points at home. End of. Anything less than three points at home between now and when, when we face Liverpool in Feb is a fucking disgrace. Nah, that that's fair enough. Because if you draw with us and you win every other game, that's sixteen wins. So that's title winning form. But on to, I'm not okay. I'm not gonna come here and say it was a world class performance because this is a this is Chelsea that we're talking about, and b it was world class. If people think it was a world class or a fantastic performance, it's based on what your expectation of Chelsea was before the game. But regardless of that, I still thought Chelsea were good. What do you think from an Arsenal fan about the Chelsea performance, considering we haven't been complimentary of them, and to be honest, rightfully so. What is the first time they put a decent mid block? It was decent. That's what I was saying. It was decent, bro. Like they're, they're talking like they did something groundbreaking, bro. Like people, like I don't know why Chelsea fans are very angry that Arsenal fans are saying it's two point shot from us. <laughs> like why, why would we think it's two point shot from us? We've been dicking you guys down here at Stamford Bridge for the past what five years. <laughs> After telling us that Stamford Bridge since became coach, so of course we were pissed that we dropped points from. Like, like ideally we wanted to win that game. And we're rightfully annoyed. I don't want to take you wanted to perform better as well. Yeah, bro. so I don't want to take taking offense to Arsenal and saying, Yeah, we don't care about how you play. All, all we care about is why the fuck we were so trash. But for Chelsea, yeah, I'm I would say it's a decent performance here, but did they really pepper Arsenal's goal from? They scored off a pen and a fluky goal with right off his line. Fair enough, you got your two goals, but what clear cut chances did Chelsea create from? I like, wouldn't, I wouldn't, okay, I wouldn't say Chelsea created clear-cut chances or that many clear-cut chances but I'll say a couple things teams like Man City Arsenal Liverpool when they're playing well when they're performing well or when they're going for the league these teams their goals don't get peppered because defensively they're solid so in terms of the goal your goal being peppered I think that's a mute point because that's never going to happen I think in terms of Chelsea's block you already said yes you're saying it's decent and I know you're trolling but you said it earlier on today that Chelsea packed the middle and it was hard for you guys to play through. And you can say, yes, your midfield didn't play well, 
But I feel like that was based on how Pochettino set up Chelsea defensively. The 4-4-2 with Gallagher and Cole Palmer and then uh, Enzo and Caicedo made it hard for Gabriel and Saliba to get through your midfield. So I'll give Chelsea credit there. But the two players that impressed me yesterday, first I have to apologise about Cole. Well, I'm not going to apologise, but I might have been too hasty on Cole Palmer because in terms of what you want from a false nine, Cole Palmer did what you'd want from a false nine. The, there's so many chances where he'd flick it on and then he's running, player one turn, the ball is out wide, or he's occupying your defenders. The first half, Saliba and Gabriel, that's the most shaky I've seen them all season. Yeah, and, that's what you want, and that's what you want from a false nine. What you said Havertz did, Cole Palmer was doing all game. Yes, Chelsea, they definitely didn't create clear-cut chances, but there were chances for them to win the game. Cole Palmer off Raya's mistake. Jackson when he went one on one. Gallagher, even though he was off, timed his run. That would be a clear cut chance. So I think Pochettino did one. This is something for Chelsea to build up from, but they need to build from this. This can be they play well and then the crap for seven, eight games. Uh, like, the reason why I'm not really flattering Chelsea or doing a compliment is because one win the last four home games. <laughs> no, it's awful. No, like, I, also two. Remember, do you know the last time when Chelsea lost one at least 10 league games at home? No clue. Lampard, Lampard's first season was the last time Chelsea won 10 league games at home. That's poor. And Chelsea fans are here saying, why are Arsenal so fucking arrogant? Why wouldn't we, fam? Like, before you guys think you're close to Arsenal, yeah, win. Here's a challenge for Chelsea win 10 home games, and maybe I'll give you two, two compliments, fam. And secondly, take points off City for us. Maybe I'll dash your compliment of or two. No, I'll take points off City. Well, let's let's see how they're performing against City. I don't think they'll get anything off City. Out. Oh, they're getting shit. They're holding free. No reply, let's bro. See, let's see what they do at uh, at Stamford Bridge because City have some games when they yeah, want. Oh, wait, 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 back on back on Chelsea, yeah. If they want any hopes of coming top six, <laughs> they need to win at least ten league games at home. Let's be frank. If they these guys don't get at least ten wins at home, yeah, they won't be anywhere near the European places. Because I went through the stats. Apart from the COVID years, yeah, if you want to be in European contention, you have to win at least 10 home games. And they failed to do that for the past four seasons. So, Chelsea fans here needs to be relaxed. Performance was high. But at the end of the day, you bought it in the final 15 minutes. Now, nah, they, they, they met. Let's be quite and frank. And All and this, you play decent, yeah. you play well, don't mean shit. I, I've been there, fam. I've been there when Arsenal were on the come up. With, that City game at home, we were like, yeah, we played well, we shouldn't have lost. We bought it, fam. Hold it. City got the pen. They took control and lost 2-1. It is but, what it is. Built, but, but you built on from that game. And this is a performance that Chelsea can build from. Let's see it, but the home form has improved drastically, though. Before oh, it's definitely, yeah, let's see. I'm not going to gas up anything. That's why I said maybe I was a bit too hasty. But players like Cole Palmer, he needs to show this more consistently. I'll give it, I'll cut him some slack because he's still a U. Gallagher, I was impressed with him. Actually, to be honest, yeah, quickly, yeah. Gallagher's been Chelsea's best midfielder of the season. I know Chelsea fans hate Gallagher, yeah, but he's been the most consistent midfielder this season. I think I, I think they're starting to like him now because yes, at the start, Chelsea fans based because they're spoiled, they would have hated him because you spend money on Lavi, you spend money on Enzo, you spend money on Caicedo, and then person called Connor Gallagher is always starting. But in terms of his profile and what he brings to the midfield, he's desperately needed. What Chelsea need now. They need the front line to start shooting. Because in terms of players that they have at their disposal, they can put together an all-right midfield and an all-right defence, but they can't, still can't put together an attack 
that scores goals and create chances on a weekly basis. So that's what I want to see from Chelsea. Right. What I saw defensively, midfield and defence, decent. In terms of chance creation on getting into the final third, all right. But actually scoring and creating clear-cut chance consistently and many times during a game, that's what they need to start doing before that before they can get into the top six. Because at the moment, I still don't have them finishing top six. But I was impressed with them. I know you weren't, but I thought they were decent yesterday. Yeah, they said that when the crew comes back here, we'll see in it. But uh, let's see though. Let's see. I'm I'm saying the challenge. Win 10 new home games, and it may be uh, more flattering. Also, to you also fans here, break your neck to compliment Chelsea. Them fuckers don't respect you first. So stop this holier than thou shit, bruv. Fuck off, like sucking up Chelsea ain't gonna do nothing for you, fam. Like they don't they don't rate you. They hate they hate you. Like uh, all, all them years you're what we shooting us here. Huh? The beef is eternal, yeah. Fam, the beef is eternal, fam. These guys have been shooting us for the past 20 years, yeah, but Arsenal fans want to be following us with giving them compliments. They don't respect you, fam. They don't know you like that, fam. Like, man. Like, about respect Chelsea, fam. If you come 12th here, I'm sorry, you need to build credibility again, bro. You can't just finish 12th and think, yeah, I'm going to respect you just like that. Same way Arsenal has had to rebuild. It took Arsenal 12 last season for people to respect us even small, small. After coming 8th back to back. You think after coming 12th, I, I give a fuck about your, about your Champions League in COVID year. Or, or about your Champions League happened in 2012, bro. Fuck off, bro. Pride of London, you know. Pride of London, you're fishing with compliments from Arsenal fans. Like man, get over yourselves, man. Like they, they touched the nerve. Friday London, but you, but you can't ask the nerve. Man, Friday London, but oh, why are Arsenal fans not giving us compliments? Fuck off, man. Oh, Friday London, fam, dickhead, man. Three <laughs> things Roman era, fam. Your your heritage died Roman, fam. Don't ever think here you have the fear factor you did on like that on, on the Roman, fam. Ain't gonna happen, fam. Now they definitely don't have it now, but let's see if they can build it. I don't think they can, but let's see if they can build it. Bowley ain't got that aura, fam. Let's Bowley see. Ain't got that aura, fam. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Bowley's Cowboys. Yeehaw. Fucking Cowboys, fam. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on to the first game of the weekend. Merseyside Derby. How much of that did you catch? I, I caught most of it. Uh, is that any other normal uh, Merseyside Derby, bro? Like, KGFA, Everton, threatening to nick a point. They do something dumb and Liverpool just control the game from the arm, fam. Yeah. Same scripts. I think this derby is, in terms of quality of football, arguably the most boring, high-profile derby in the league. I think what you said, especially at Merseyside derby at Anfield, the game went exactly how you thought. We had most of the ball, most of the territory. Everton tried to capitalise on the counter-attack, which they created a few chances. But as soon as Ashley Young got that red card, which was a clear red card, by the way, I don't know why anyone... Okay, it's a, okay, it's a clear red card based on the new rules. Let me let me put it like that, because Akanji got a red card, Jota got a red card. So based on the new rules, Tommy asked... It's a red card, yeah, but just that last week, they decided, before they decided to give COVID to the chance from that. So please, PGMO fam, consistency fam. Bro, for, if you want to talk about consistency, let's talk about the same game, bro. Kanata should have been sent off. Bro, I even forgot about that. Bro, I I'm, I'm, saw that and was like, you're coming off. I'm not, I'm not even going to lie. Konate should have seen red straight away. And look, I said it after the Spurs game, there is no conspiracy. These guys are I just so incompetent. And this is me saying this after I think Konate should have been... It's very incompetent, fam. They're just retarded, fam. Like, these men should be in a mental asylum, yeah? Doing one plus one equals two, fam. They're just retarded. Like, I've not seen... I've watched other leagues, yeah, but... Spain is bad, but... England take the cake, fam. I think we do have the worst one. officials. That's why you see at major tournaments, in, there's not that many English refs or officials that go to them. Like, also, side note, yeah, people try to take the piss out of AFCON and African, African football, yeah. We got better refs referring to AFCON, yeah, than the Premier League, bro. Agreed. Agreed. Large job, AFCON. Well, 
what did you think about Liverpool, the game, and the start that we've made? Because we're on the same point as you, in terms of goals scored, we're one of the highest. And in terms of goals conceded, we've done well, despite only keeping two clean sheets all season, which needs to improve. Uh, like Liverpool are finding it. Like this season, yeah, it's a chill on for Liverpool. Like you guys came to the season, yeah, thinking about okay, how can we gain back some credibility? And you guys are doing that right now. And everyone knew, yeah, if you guys had gotten Caicedo, we'd be talking about a free horse race right now. Minus, you know, Robertson on his last legs, Van Dijk needing needing to be rotated out here and there. Even with, we didn't even without that, you all knew that. A DM was what Liverpool needed it just to be on a, on a ninety point pace again. So like, if I was Liverpool fan, yeah, I'm, I'm just, just just be chilling, fam. Like, enjoy yourself. Like, if you end up being a title race, enjoy it. If not, you secure third, best of the rest, and you know what's coming next season. Now I know what you mean. It's it's a bit annoying because I'm looking at this team and I'm watching us weekly, and it's it's annoying knowing that we're a competent DM away from actually being confident in a title race. Because at the moment, if you ask Liverpool fans, if you ask me, are you in a title race? I always hesitate only because we don't have a competent yeah. DM. You play McAllister there and granted it's not his position. He has not adapted and I mean on the ball to playing that deep and that needs to improve because Wait. if his issues or his main issues were defensively, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be annoyed because that's not his game. But on the ball, he needs to fix up. But there's a lot of talent in this team. Graven Birch, he's looking a lot better than what I realised. Our attacking threat, bro, you, you've called it since last year. We have way too much firepower for us not to be a threat all game. You saw Salah yesterday. He dropped a four out of ten. He left the game with two goals. So That's, that's what top players do, fam. Like, you know you're, you're a world-class player when you have a stinker and you're, you're still leaving with a sign. The game's the game. How many times have we seen... KDB, KDB, quiet old game, lens on top bins. Oh, yeah, Aguero. Oh, there's, there's so many games where Aguero it's done nothing all game. Boom, near post, roof of the net. <laughs> Suarez, <laughs> Suarez, you think Suarez having a quiet game? Next, you put one in the bottom bins. Like in the history year, the top players are always getting satin. Like, that's, that's why you're world class. That's why you're criminal, like, crim. like drug bot. How many games are you thinking, right, this guy's been a bit dead? Picks on his chest, pops on top bins. Like, ball is ball, regardless of the circumstances, bro. And people need to respect Salah, man. Like, he's, he's definitely shooting for top five in Premier League history. Oh, yeah. The consistency, the longevity that he's put in is ridiculous. This this calendar year alone, most goal contributions, he's one of the, he's the only player that has a double-double in terms of goals and assists. And he's been doing that year in, year out. And for Liverpool, He's also key to our chances for potentially challenging for the title this season. And look, we can't let him go. I know Saudi wanted to pay 150, 200. He needs to stay because he never he never gets injured. And he he might not be as explosive as he was when he first came seven years ago, but he's 31, 32, and he still looks like a very agile, quick winger. As long as he has Trent behind him, yeah, you don't decide to be beating his man one on one or beating someone for pace. And Sobosla as well, bro. Soboslai right. is basically what we wanted Henderson to be in terms of defense. Defensively, he covers Trent better than Henderson. On the ball, he's a lot better than Henderson. And the guy is rapid, rapid. So yeah. as long as we have Soboslai there doing Salah's dirty work, we have Trent there that can create from the right. Salah can just get closer and closer to goal. And look, 
I'm, I'm excited for what that right-hand side can do this season. It was poor on Saturday, but I'm excited to see what... Like, they... we, we play Everton, yeah. Forget about any attacking fluidity, fam. Them are not fucking ridiculous. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, no, no. They made the game annoying. But look, I can't lie. You can't blame them. How many times have... You remember when teams used to play Conte and you used to get annoyed that team would open Yash for, for Spurs and allowed Spurs to play on the transition? So Ndaich came and did what he had to do. And look, yeah. as annoying as it is, you, you have to respect it. That's a L, though. Hold that L. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to shout out Jared Brown with him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to lie, in the summer year, I was like... Those man of the match. In the summer year, basically, I asked him for PSV last season against us in the Europa League. I was like, who the hell this guy play for? And I found out he's a he's loan from Everton. I was like, Everton have to make him a starting centre by next season. And lo and behold, the Dutch has seen centre he's starting. That's a fifty million pound defender right there, bro. Yeah, because he's tall, his box defending is decent, and he has speed on him. So and he's decent on the ball as well. So he's definitely one to watch. It's the first time I've watched him properly, but I was really impressed with his performance. Everton's midfield as well, because our our goal came from a penalty. In a 5-3-1 formation, defending with 10 men, they did very well. And I have to give them credit for that. But again, hold that L. Hold that L. Yeah, man. Yeah, but I saw every time been all right this season. Um, they've created a lot of chances. They just can't finish. So they'll be comfy mid-table, in my honest opinion. You think mid-table? Because the thing is, like... you can They create also chances on that last season. But the thing is, mid. I'll say comf- comfy mid-table... Is where Villa and them are gonna be. Why is it comfy? Tell me, I'm talking about fifteenth to twelfth. That's when they're comfy. But you remember last season how close the gap was between twelfth and. and... You just say comfy, comfy fifteenth is because how bad the promoted teams are and how bad Bournemouth are. That's why I'm saying comfy mid table, as in fifteenth to around fifteen ish, fourteen ish area. They need to make sure that is because if they get dragged into a relegation battle, then they deserve to go because of how bad those four teams that you mentioned are. Because those four teams have started the season so poorly. Oh yeah, absolute disgrace. <laughs> Luton, Luton, I can't even chat. I can't even get onto them because they didn't expect to get promoted. So they were thinking about twenty twenty six and when their new stadium should be ready. So this is just a surprise for them. So they can take that money, parachute payments, and rebuild and come and give a better. A bit, um, you know, showing for themselves, but Burnley companies taking a piss, Sheffield United, them guys didn't even try, bro, in terms of their signings. But and Bournemouth, Martin O'Neill, Gary O'Neill, why do you sack him, bro? Man. bro? Bro, how 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 poetic was that victory this weekend? Like, also, Wolves have been playing deep, good stuff all season, bro. Now, nah, they haven't been bad at all, like, they've been playing good football, they've been all right at the back, they're doing what you expect the middle side to do. They're doing what you expected the Wolves to do with the players of the quality. Because as long as the Wolves have bad players, Wolves yeah. have quality players. They have internationals. Yeah, like internationals. Like players that can make them do what Villa are doing at the moment. But they've always been performing below standard. And now they're slowly getting up to that standard. And I'm just happy for Gary O'Neill because I thought he got done dirty. Yeah. He got put into the Bournemouth job because Scott Parker was whining. Kept them up and then they got rid of him. For me, that's... They did him so dirty, and like he he deserves to shine because he's not a bad manager at all. No, I didn't know much about him, but he's he's impressed me loads. Yeah, yeah, very impressed. Especially like first game against my new, I was like, yeah, I may have put them up to be in the bottom three of the season, but they have too much quality going forward to be dragging the relegation battle. And right now, they're just picking up wins, beating teams in and around them, and that ultimately keep them safe. That's 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 what you need to do, essentially. If if you're below the bottom the top six, top seven, 
that's basically the guidebook to how to stay in the Premier League year in, year out. So hopefully they do, because I do like their squad. Yeah, the squad's very good. A couple of gems there. Neto started start the season on fire. What? That's five, six assists in his first, what, nine games? Yeah. Well, he's been one of the best wingers this season. I'll say, in terms of left wingers, the only left winger that you put above him is Son. And most of Son's good work has been coming from when he's been playing number nine. So yeah. there's an argument to say that he's been the best left winger this season so far. Yeah, absolutely. Because the past year and a half year has been injury hit for him. Came out, came out from a serious knee injury last season, then got his ankles taken away to West Ham, missed the most of the last season as well. And finally, he's hit his groove and is performing how he did in that lockdown season. Now, I'm, I'm happy to see that because we've seen it so many times when players get injured and they don't come back to how they were before. I'm happy to see that because he's a top talent. But, bro, before we end, we have to talk about a specific award that's going to be... A, it's going to be announced very soon that Messi have, has won it. He's won it, fam. Like, the journalists are even saying it, fam. Like, they said that he's won it. Do you, what do you, what do you think of Messi winning the Ballon d'Or? Do you think he should have won it, or do you think Haaland has been robbed? And secondly, what does, in my opinion, the best player in the world, Kylian Mbappe, have to do to get his hand on that trophy? Well, what I'm gonna say is now the Ballon d'Or is based on clout nowadays, which is the most clout because since the Messi and Ronaldo era has began, yeah, it's now become more of like a keeping up appearances type award, man. Like journalists are now voting based off narrative. So whoever has the best narrative that year, you win Ballon d'Or. And Messi winning World Cup, that was the best narrative. That's why it's so funny, yeah. If Mbappe gets that shot off in, in injury time by extra time, yeah, we're talking about Mbappe winning Ballon d'Or. So yeah, that's so how that fickle, been goals in the final. Yeah, so, so that's how fickle the, the award is now. It's based on who has the best narrative that year. So you don't think Haaland's narrative is enough to eclipse Messi because he comes in, was a 50-goal season, breaks the Premier League record, wins Man City's first Champions. Well, he doesn't win it, but he's part of a team that wins Man City's first Champions League and he wins the treble. You don't think that eclipses Messi World Cup? No way, G. First World Cup since, what, 1982? He was never being that narrative for him. Like, that, ball, that Ballon d'Or was... It's hard to. It was one when, when I, whoever took the last penalty took yeah. it. Like, the, the Ballon d'Or was always going to be won by who won that World Cup final. Yeah. If Mbappe scored that fourth goal, or even Colin Mouane scored that goal, it was going to Mbappe because the narrative would have been, oh, Mbappe drives France to the World Cup. Like, I don't like it, but the award is now a clout-based award now. It is what it is. Journalists have made it that way by voting it based on who they like the most or who they feel had the best story of that season. So for Mbappe, you know, to get into that mode and you know, win Ballon d'Or, he has to change the narrative from Go Real Madrid from the romantics who love Mbappé to Real Madrid, Real Madrid winning Champions League, like it, it's, it's wrong here, but he needs to have the right narrative, man. It's a cut based on wood. Because even now, the way Jude Bellingham is going, people are, are saying he's currently the best player in the world. Yes, I'm not saying Jude Bellingham is, has been bad. He's been one of the best players in the world. He's definitely been top three, top five. But the fact that people are already calling him best player in the world, I know Mbappé could be doing what he's doing plus more. So Mbappe needs to move as soon as possible. Next summer for me is make or break. If he stays at PSG, then I think Mbappe is going to have a Neymar-esque career. Oh yeah, 100%. 100%. Because as I said, it's all about clout nowadays. Build your narrative and the journalists do the rest for you. And you can only, right now, you can only get clout if you play in the Premier League 
for Barcelona or for Real Madrid. You can't even get clubs if you're in the Serie Liga or the Bundesliga. Look at Lewandowski. They cancelled the award, you know. They cancelled the award when football was played. So, look, listen. Mbappe, you need to move. Messi, congratulations. In terms of Ballon d'Ors, you've won the most. You've won the World Cup. Undisputed go. And Ronaldo, he, he's, he can't catch him now. So, right, fam, dude's playing in Saudi, bro. My man's playing in war torn countries. Like, bro, like, hey, Ronaldo, you had a good run, man. 39 in Feb, and he's still going to be at the Euros. That's the match, man. Yeah, well, fair, fair play to him. He's still scoring goals, so he deserves it. It is what it is. It is what it is. But, guys, this has been another episode of Views from the Box. Take care. <laughs>